glad to be here. Well, I should say I'm glad to be here. If, if you were noticing when you came in, there's a, there's a picture of a couple here. And you're probably wondering, where's the uh, good looking half of this couple? Well, if she's at home with a house full of company, you know, uh, daughters and uh, sons-in-law and uh, six grandchildren. We are really glad to be here today, and, and Carol would love to be with us, but you understand, uh, uh, they definitely want to have Grandma there for lunch. They don't want her coming up here and Grandpa cooking lunch for them, so here I am, and I'm, and I'm doing the uh, preaching, I hope, here, here this morning. I want to do the best we can. Uh, you'll notice below the picture, there are some notes. There are a few places there where if, if you're really just keeping up with me there, you can fill in the blanks. And if for some reason, one of those blanks you don't get, you could come up after the service and say, uh, Pastor, where, where was that? But I appreciate uh, Pastor Ryder giving me the chance to be here today. And we want to open up the word of the Lord. And I think that that video, it, it's just like I couldn't have planned anything better leading into this. But this changes everything. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Let's look at it together. And maybe we could stand for the reading of God's word here this morning. Luke chapter 2, verses, verses 8 through 20. The word of the Lord reads, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what, had seen, what, they had, what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I want to talk to you just a few moments this morning about the quiet and the questionable. You may be seated. Let's start with the questionable. Uh, they were the shepherds. Now, it would seem at first glance that it would be very appropriate that shepherds were chosen to be the first purveyors of the good news of Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. The Old Testament is full of shepherding. This is what it was all about in that area of the world. King David was brought out of the shepherd's fields to be the king of, of Israel, Jesus himself, uh, you're probably sitting here saying, well, Jesus himself is the good shepherd. And you know the psalm that says, uh, we are his people and the sheep 
of his pasture. And so it would seem really logical, and yet there's another side to this. They were also very despicable. It seems that the shepherds would really be in some ways the last people that God would choose to be the first preachers of the gospel because, you see, these were uh, people, these were men that were so busy with the sheep, they didn't have time to keep the ceremonial laws. They were just kind of moving about the hills and, and following their herds wherever they went. And, and so here we are, we have a group of people that are despised and they're looked on as thieves and all of these low life type of people. Matter of fact, they were so low in society in those days that they could not uh, enter any of their evidence in court because they were not trustworthy at all. And yet these were the very preachers. The questionable became the very first preachers of the good news of Jesus Christ's birth. And uh, friends, I'm here to tell you today that this ought to give us all hope. It really should. Perhaps you can do something significant for Jesus. You know, when I think about people who you pretty much lost all hope over, I want you to think for a few moments about the Apostle Paul. Remember, he was originally named Saul. And he was one that was really despised by the church because, well, you might say in today's nomenclature, the man was a terrorist. He was going around arresting Christians. He was having them put to death, all kinds of things going on there, and they didn't trust him. And so here was a man with a very questionable background. But I want you to notice 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16. Here is the Apostle Paul's testimony. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. The Apostle Paul was very questionable, and yet God made that kind of difference in his life. His name is Don. Don was a running buddy in high school. His family was not a part of the church. Uh, Carol and I grew up in Nazarene Parsonages. This, this is really all we've ever known. And, and so we have always had parents that were very supportive of our personal faith. Don didn't have that. But Don came to our church and he, he was a running buddy in high school and we were in cross country together and we were in track together, varsity track. And I remember the day that if you could picture old first church in Cumberland, Maryland and the altars uh, lined up along here about like this and right about in this territory right here, I remember my, my friend Don came down and he gave his life to Jesus. Man, it was a great moment. I mean, here's a guy on the track team with me. Here's a guy on the cross country team with me. And he's coming down to ask Jesus into his heart. And I remember we went down and we prayed with him. And my preacher dad, after the service was over, he said something that I remember all these decades later. He looked at me and he said, Larry, he says, do you realize that God has just used you to help your friend Don get saved? And all those decades later, it's still, it's a wonder in my mind, I think. I hear my dad saying, God used you. Can I say something to you today? 
He can use you no matter how questionable others think you are or how sordid your past may be. Give your life to the Savior and he's going to free you. He's going to free you to use your talents and go to people and places you never thought possible. I hear my dad saying, Larry, do you realize Jesus used you to help Don get saved? You know, we stand at the starting line of a brand new year. And as we, as we stand here and we look back on 2018, we look forward to 2019, I can't help but think of, of a song that I heard a number of years ago. It's probably when I was in my college years, but a fellow by the name of Andre Crouch, some of you may remember that name, Andre Crouch. He wrote something called To Be Used of God. And here's how the wording goes. I have a yearning in my heart that cannot be denied. It's a longing that has never yet been satisfied. I want the world to know the one who loves them so, like a flame it's burning deep inside, to be used of God to sing, to speak, to pray. To be used of God to show someone the way. I long so much to feel the touch of his consuming fire. To be used of God is my desire. And I just have it before you here this morning. There's a blank there in this line. God wants to use you. Can you put your name in there? Just put your name in there. Larry, God wants to use you. It doesn't matter what your background is. If, if you've given yourself to the Lord, he's given of himself to you. Do you ever wonder what pastors talk about when they get together? <laughs> yeah, you ever wonder? You might see a couple of pastors standing off in the corner and they may be laughing. You're thinking, I wonder if they're laughing about me. I just wonder what it is that's going on here. I have a good friend in the ministry. His name's Dennis Kelly, and he preaches, he's preaching this morning over on the Northwestern Ohio District. But for a while, we pastored together down along the Ohio River. I was in East Liverpool, and he was in Toronto. And man, that, that's just a great setting over there. And you always have the river just flowing north to south all along there. One year, Pastor Dennis had a live nativity at the Toronto church. And ever since then, I come up to him and say, hey, Dennis, tell me the story again about the time old Bessie got away. Yeah, they had a live nativity scene, and here's all the straw and all the hay, and, and here's, here's the sheep, and here's the cattle, and here's Bessie, and Bessie broke loose. And you know where the police found her? She was swimming across the Ohio River toward West Virginia. I guess she was going home. I'm not sure what it was. Bessie was headed on home. And so ever since, if I see Dennis, if I see him at General Assembly, or I see him wherever, I'll look at Dennis and say, tell me again about the time old Bessie got away. You ever wonder what pastors talk about when they get together? Well, you know, sometimes we talk about cows and sometimes we talk about our congregations. And you know what I've noticed over the years? I've pastored a lot of people who are very quiet. You know, you may be wondering week after week, month after month, year after year, as you see them sitting out there in the chairs or the pews or wherever we are in whatever setting it is, and you wonder, is anything happening there spiritually? And yet over a period of time, you begin to see some things that are happening. They're people of fewer words, quiet people, contemplative people. Um, 
And so sometimes when people ask me, tell me about your congregations those 37 years, I'll say, some of the most significant relationships I had were with people who were very quiet about their faith. Nothing wrong with, nothing wrong with all kinds of personalities, but quiet people, just like Mary. Mary. Yeah, we move from the, the questionable to the quiet, like Mary. I want to say to you today, if, if you're that way, um, hats off to the quiet. Hats off to the quiet. You're in pretty good company. Boy, there sure was a lot of hubbub going on around the birth of Jesus, wasn't there? There, there were the boisterous and, and smelly shepherds, the lowly people, but there were also the angels on high. And Can you imagine how they must have shaken that slope that night that they came? Nothing wrong with any of those things. But listen to this. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. It would seem that Mary really wasn't one for making a lot of speeches. She didn't waste words. Really months before, remember when the angel came to her and said, you're going to be the mother of the Son of God who's going to come into the world and save people from their sins. And she just looked at the angel and said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Nothing needed added all those months later. You say, what's your point, Larry? Here it is. Just as sure as God uses the questionable, he also uses the quiet. I have, I don't know how many people over the years say to me, well, I don't really have anything to offer and I'm, a, I'm almost, I get tongue-tied and all that kind of stuff and I don't really have a whole lot to say. But you might be surprised how much God wants to use you in these days. People of few words. Her name is Teresa. Teresa talk about our East Liverpool church. She, she was raised in our church in East Liverpool. And she was one of those people that would just come in, you know, on a Sunday morning and just kind of quietly come in, just, just doesn't want to draw any attention to herself. And she kind of sit about two thirds of the way back and just kind of sit down. And I'd look during the song service, she might be mouthing the words just a wee little bit. And and she'd just be sitting there, and Teresa was one of those people that was just painfully quiet. You could just barely get a word out of her, and if you did, it was barely above a whisper. That was Teresa. You know what? Jamie came into the church. Guess what? Jamie is just as quiet as Teresa. Can you imagine? And, and, and they started dating and, and we were always, we'd always just kind of chuckle and say, we could see them sitting there and probably everything they said, they had to look at each other and say, what did you just say? I mean, they were just so quiet. And, and, and guess what happened? Well, let me tell you this. Jamie was not only quiet, but he was somewhat questionable as well. I, I taught him in Sunday school class for a while and I found out some things about Jamie's background that, that would just kind of, whoa, this is the kind of guy that Teresa's getting involved with. So not only was Jamie quiet, but he just had a kind of a questionable background. And I remember the day he came up to me and he said, Pastor Larry, I want you to know something. I'm feeling inspired. I think the Lord's calling me into the ministry. And I wanted to look at quiet, questionable Jamie. And I wanted to say, really? Are you sure? 
Are you just really sure? And, and, and I'm picturing Teresa in a parsonage and in a church and, and all the pressures of being in the pastorate and all that. And, but I remember Jamie said, oh, yeah, yeah, man, we're really feeling called. Well, he said it a lot more quiet than that. But we're feeling called into the ministry. And, and so we started him down and got a local license and all of those things. And, and pretty soon he was making progress. And, but then all of a sudden it kind of slowed down. He got behind in his education a little bit. And I remember even saying to district leadership, well, you know, I'm just not sure. Maybe we need to just kind of back off on them. But I remember our district leader saying, Larry, I don't know. I just, I have a feeling about these guys. I think they could make it in the ministry. And I breathed a, uh, deep, and I just said, well, here we go. Can I make a long story short? Jamie and Teresa have pastored in two churches. <laughs> Jamie is now out speaking on the weekends in various churches, just like what I'm doing. And, and you know what I have to say when I think about Jamie and Teresa and what my attitude was from time to time when it came to them? What do I know? I mean, I mean, really, what do I know? What, what am I saying here this morning? It's basically this. I'm talking about the power of the Savior's presence in the lives of people given over to his service. He can take you to places and to people you never thought possible. He can use your voice, no matter what your background may be. No wonder the angels announced his birth with great fanfare. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And it certainly rests on us today, doesn't it? Amen. Amen. Carol and I have stood near what they call the shepherd's field outside of Bethlehem. It was our privilege to go to Israel a number of years ago. And I think maybe we may have a, do we have a collage of pictures back there? Oh, yes, there they are. Now, you'll notice there's kind of a slope up there in the, there's really four different pictures there. The Shepherd's Field, it's kind of like a national park over in Israel now. And then you notice uh, we're along the parapets there and you could look down on uh, what was known as the Shepherd's Field. Now, that, that place is now surrounded by a lot of modern condominiums. It's nothing like what it would have been when David shepherded his flocks in that area around Bethlehem. Uh, before that, when Ruth and Boaz fell in love, perhaps in that area as well, we were able to walk down and be in that field a little bit, and they took us up to a, a stone trough, and they said it could have been a trough just like this that they laid our Lord and Savior in. And, you know, I thought about that, that place and I thought, can you imagine how that slope must have shaken when the angels came along and they announced the birth of our Savior? It had been, you know, the, the closest thing that I know how to describe what it might have been like is if you're out on the 4th of July and you're at a fireworks display. Yeah. And I like how, you know, they go through the whole thing and then down at the end, they pause for a little while and you know what's coming, don't you? It's the grand finale. I mean, they're gonna just 
let her rip right there at the end. And all of a sudden, it's just, man, every color that you can imagine is coming up. And it's just boom and a boom and a boom, boom, boom. And then the, my favorite part is right at the end because I like to watch the rest of the family and how Carol responds because you see those white lights. Boom, 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 boom. And, you know, it does it maybe about a dozen times. And then it quits all of a sudden. And all you hear is just the echo across the landscape. And I've been thinking about those fields and that angel choir and that announcement of what changed history forever, just like the video talked about. And I can't help but think, here we are at the end of 2018. That's what's kind of what's going on right now. You know, we're all, you know, kaboom, 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 kaboom. And here in a couple of days, the silence that awaits is, is 2019. What are we going to do? What are we going to do as we face a new year? Do like the shepherds. Do like the shepherds. Seek him. Follow the announcement. But not only that, live to tell others. You have an influence right here in this community. I, I may never be this way again. God bless you and, and the riders and, and what God is doing. I'm sure he's doing things through this church that you can't even imagine in the lives of people. Seek him. Seek those who, who need him. Be yourself. Be yourself as you serve the Savior. I, I saw this story from Max Lucado some time ago, and I, I, don't, I don't believe it's on the screen here, but what I need you to do is I want you to think of the name Adam. Concentrate on the name Adam, a little boy named Adam. Uh, who are we going to concentrate on? Yeah, there you go. Say it one more time. Adam. Keep Adam in mind as I read this. A little boy named Adam wanted to be like his friend Bobby. Adam loved the way Bobby walked and talked. Bobby, however, wanted to be like Charlie. Something about Charlie's stride and accent intrigued him. Charlie, on the other hand, was impressed with Danny. Charlie wanted to look and sound like Danny. Now get this. Danny, of all things, had a hero as well. Guess who? Adam. He wanted to be just like Adam. So Adam was imitating Bobby, who was imitating Charlie, who was imitating Danny, who was imitating Adam. Turns out all Adam had to do was to be himself. Be yourself. No matter what your background is no matter how little you may think you have to offer, be yourself. Matter of fact, that's a lot more awesome than maybe what it sounds to you right now. I mean, I mean, think about this. Could, could we stand together as, as we get ready to close here? But I want you to think about this. Matter of fact, I do believe we have, you have, yeah, I know you have this in your notes and we may have it up front here. But think about this. Now, what I would challenge you to do is go home and look these scriptures up, but I'm just gonna tell you who you are as you leave here today. Are you ready for this? This is good to rehearse. You are God's child. Someone get, give me an amen on that. You're God's child. 
Amen. Christ's friend, a member of Christ's body, a saint, redeemed and forgiven of all your sins, complete in Christ, lacking in nothing, free from condemnation, God's co-worker, seated with Christ in the heavenly realm, God's workmanship, a citizen of heaven, adopted into God's family, born of God, and the evil one cannot touch you. Can I add one more? If you don't have this, you need to write this down. Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Go home and read this this afternoon. Look at it as you head into the new year. And I want to add this by way of a prayer that comes from that 18th verse out of that scripture. Lord, keep on keeping on filling your people with your spirit. Jesus, we don't, we don't know each other really, really well here this morning, but we cer- certainly sense a common bond, and that common bond is Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. Lord, I, I pray that the Christ of Christmas w- would just be real the Christ that continues with us and in us into the new year. Lord, would you just strengthen and help this congregation? Thank you, Lord, for Pastor and his family. Lord, we ask that you would bless the riders in a special way. And I pray that as this church continues to reach out to this community, that you would give them uh, your resources, your guidance and direction. I, I thank you, Lord, for everyone gathered in this room, new friends that I've had the chance to make here this morning. Help Carol and me, help our family, help us to stay true to you in 2019. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.